Welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. Hi nerds, welcome back to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. It is after Christmas and I am full of cheese and I have no idea what day it is. (laughs) But I am actually in Portland with Natalie. I am not in my closet in Omaha. Although my clothes are all over the floor of this office... Well, they're in a suitcase, but my clothes are <laughs> in this tiny space, so it's like being in my closet anyway. Yes, and we're sharing one microphone, so it's a very efficient podcast. <laughs> and we also have a special guest today, Kevin! Welcome to the podcast! Hi, good to be on! <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is here to talk about some of, the, some of his favorite things from this past year as well, um, I guess I didn't even announce that that's what we're talking about, so surprise! <laughs> we are going to be going through our all of our favorite things from 2018 for this episode. The top three everything. Um, and Kevin is here to give his thoughts on a couple of those categories in particular. But we have lots to talk about. Lots happen. We can just kick things off, Mr. Kevin O'Grady. So we're Kevin just- is a stranger we met on the train <laughs> going to downtown. <laughs> and we just trapped him in the office. He's not. He's actually Natalie's husband. <laughs> Please support my GoFundMe. <laughs> to get out of this office. <laughs> Can I plug my Bitcoin address? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so to jump right into things, our first category um, is going to be all things gaming. So there were lots of games, lots of big games that came out this year. Um, some pretty exciting stuff. Chelsea and I have our top three things, but Kevin is actually um, a bit more of a gamer than I am, so I get the joy of watching him play lots of games that I don't play myself for various reasons, most of them involving motion sickness, so I can't play some of them, Um, but I do get to watch Kevin play them. So, since you are the guest of honor, you get to start. Go from three to one. Yes, so out of all the games you played this year, what was your third most favorite and we tried to focus on things that actually came out this year but if you played something that came out last year but you did play it in 2018 I suppose I suppose that's acceptable so out of everything you played what do you think your third most favorite was Ooh, my my third most favorite probably had to be a game that came out last year but you did play it this but year? I did play it this year because <laughs> last year was too busy for me so um, that one was, oh my god, what's that Nazi game? <laughs> you can tell that he's Nazi definitely game. the game itself. I believe you're referring to uh, Wolfenstein yes, 2, the new Colossus. Absolutely. That game was absolutely awesome. I don't know how much of a overview I'm supposed to give, or just my ratings. Well, you but. can give a, a general overview of the story just for, I believe this came out in October 2017, so it did come out toward the end of the year. So I think you ended up playing it at the beginning of the year. But just for anyone who hasn't played it yet, what's a general 30-second elevator pitch? <laughs> uh, well, definitely it's probably not safe for young children. <laughs> um, it is rather violent. Um, obviously, you are going through If There's other Wolfenstein games um, before this, but this one is a focus on fighting Nazis. And the storyline is if, the, um, if Hitler never died and we had actually lost uh world war two world war one two 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 <laughs> uh, two this isn't a history podcast he, he, he didn't okay. go to school for history okay 
So you're going through, you're fighting off the Nazis, and Hitler is very aged in this game. Um, it's really out there, but a lot of action, a lot of really mechanical um, armies you fight against, and crazy people and stuff. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it did give me some rather odd dreams, so I had to take a break <laughs> from playing it, but uh, it was definitely on my top three list of this year. Well, I know even from watching you just play it and not actually playing it myself, there were a few things in there that I was like, wow, that's going to be scarred in my brain for a long time. You no, know, it's like watching a Tarantino movie. It was very Tarantino. It is. I thought. It's pretty violent. And I played it on the easiest level because that was the only way I could get through it. <laughs> um, the harder levels I tried and their, I mean, uh, difficulty, I should say, was not getting me anywhere. So it was a lot of fun. I would love to go back and play it. I'd love to see if they came out with a third one, but I really enjoyed it. So on my list, my number three is probably something that's on your list too. So I'll just say it now. And even though I haven't played this myself yet, just watching you play it and the story involved, my number three this year was Red Dead Redemption 2. So was that on your list somewhere? Yep, that that's definitely on my list. Is it your number one or number two? Um, I'd have to say, gosh, I'd have to say it's probably my number one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, mostly because, I mean, it's, it's beautifully done. It's got a good storyline. Um, still has some of the same issues that the original Red Dead, Rede- Red Dead Redemption did, but, um, it's really good. Do, do those issues in the, the previous Red Dead Redemption include horses and carriages materializing in the air and, <laughs> and crashing onto the ground? Not quite. There were a few issues with um, some of the mechanics of the game, I guess. I mean, my horse that I'd ride on, I'll try not to give too many... Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> but my horse, you know, he'd randomly go in places he shouldn't have been, and then I'd get to points in the game where it would just kind of glitch out or... I'd be on a mission and things would disappear. So it can be a little frustrating sometimes, but overall I really like the game. And you're not finished with it yet, right? Not finished with it yet. Um, Progress shows I'm only at like 20% and I've been playing it since it came out last month. Uh, It might have even come out I think it came out in October. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You might have just got it last month. I've been playing it pretty heavily, but I am nowhere near done with the game which is cool because the map is really vast there's a lot to do a lot of people to meet stuff like that so is red dead on your list chelsea or if not what's your number three red dead is not on my list because you haven't played it yet no i'll play it probably like not until march my game schedule is full yeah (laughs) for the next few months your dance card is full my dance card is full my number three game is actually one that did not come out this year either but it updates every 10 weeks, and it's called Fortnite. That was my number two this year. No, because we both started playing it in 2018, mm-hmm. and it has changed so much even since I started playing it in around March that I felt like I could still include it. Mm-hmm. And I only started playing, oh, it was August or September. It wasn't that long ago. It was the summer. Yeah, so it was a bit off. Uh, maybe it was like June. I don't know. I <laughs> As Time you said, is irrelevant. I'm full of cheese, and I don't know what day of the week it is anymore <laughs> when I did things this year. But I that was definitely my number two game this year. I'd heard about it before, but it wasn't something I was like interested in because I don't play a lot of I don't play a lot of first or third person shooters in general. I watch Kevin usually play them, but 
especially if something that's like an online based game I'm not usually interested in playing with random strangers that just kind of like freaks me out and I'm not good at them so um it just didn't seem like something I was interested in until you started playing it and got me to play it and it was such a good introduction for me to a, like a battle royale type game now I'm on it several times a week <laughs> so thanks for that <laughs> So what was your number three? Mine was, my number three was Red oh, Dead. Oh, right. We already <laughs> talked about it. And now Fortnite was my number two. Fortnite was your number three. So what was your number two game? My number two would also be Fortnite. I really enjoyed it. Um, Chelsea got us hooked onto it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of fun with it. I like that the map changes a lot. There's always stuff to do. It doesn't get too boring. I also enjoy that you can go into the game and not immediately get killed all the time you're playing with different skill levels every time you jump in so uh, it's not too frustrating yet because i've had a, a couple other games like that online where you jump in and everyone seems to be professional and i die mm -hmm. in two minutes so i mean that still happens to me on Fortnite anyway but <laughs> i feel like i actually got some skills where if i if i'm interested i could try like um halo or call of duty or something like that and actually hold my own for longer than five seconds but Fortnite was just a more approachable way for me to learn so that was definitely my number two that was mine that was kevin's and that was your number three right i didn't go to school for math here but what is your number two my number two is spiral reignited oh that was my number one Woo! it's exactly like my childhood only with much better graphics Mm-hmm. i i heard some people complaining that it was too faithful to the original game, but I liked that. But I waited a long time for Spyro to come out, so that's what made it kind of my number one this year. And when Crash came out, that came out last year? Yeah, that came out last summer. So when that came out, that was the first thing I thought was, when are they doing Spyro? Why isn't Spyro coming out? Can we do this, please? And then it was a few months after that that, lo and behold, they were doing it. Some people were a little upset that it was too faithful to the original game, but I liked that because it was, I mean, if it was way different, then I would have been disappointed. Like, I wanted to replay Spyro, so that was kind of what I was looking for. Was Spyro on your list? Um, no. <laughs> the answer is no. So put a, a pin in that, and we'll come back to his number one. So that was your number two. That was my number two, and that was your number one. And that was my number one. I waited a long, long time for that game, so I was just... I'm not done with it yet. I've 120% completed um, Spyro the Dragon, partway through Ripto's Rage, and haven't started Year of the Dragon yet. I am almost done with Ripto's Rage. Which, Ripto's your favorite. Ripto is right? my favorite, and it's your least favorite. <laughs> yeah, and Ripto... I had the same problem as when I originally played Ripto's Rage. When I started playing it... My first thought was like, oh, why are the gems slightly different colored? Why are the mechanics just slightly different? And then once you get into it, you're like, oh, but these mechanics are better. And the gems are different because you're in a different planet. <laughs> Literally, so why would they be the same? I, I just had like, it was still nostalgic, but I had that same feeling of frustration with it when I first started playing. Still the same nostalgic frustration of trying to do the flight levels or the speedways. Yeah, the speedways still suck. Yeah. <laughs> But I got through them. I'm looking forward to Year of the Dragon, though, because that's my favorite one because of the baby dragons. They're so, pretty cute. I'm excited for that. So that was my whole list. So now, the big reveal. What was 
We'll do Kevin last because he's the guest now. And we all know mine. So, Chelsea, <laughs> what was your number one? My number one game of the whole year was Spider-Man. Woo! To Which no I still surprise. need to play. I brought you a copy. Yes. So I will play that now, but the only reason it probably isn't on my top three is because I haven't played it. It's a beautiful game. It was nice to play a really in-depth game where you it's not surrounded around guns. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there are guns that the thugs have. Um, but you never pick up one and have to use it. So it was nice to use different mechanics. All the big boss battles, none of them are using guns either. Oh, that is different. Because, I, I mean, thinking about a lot of the games you play, Kevin, a lot of them were just centered on guns. I mean, yeah. even Fortnite is. A lot of big games are in general. Mm-hmm. So it's nice when you get one that you get to do something else. Yeah. Especially since I'm not very good at aiming. Which, if you've read, uh, I don't know if you've read Armada... <laughs> by Ernest Klein, that who also wrote Ready Player One. If you read his book Armada, that's a big plot point that there's so many video games that are third or first person shooters and they're so popular because it's actually a secret government training program to get us ready to fight the aliens. Well, I continue to suck at it, so <laughs> I'm going to be no help. We, we are not going to be drafted first. So what is Kevin's number one game? Dremel. I already said Red Dead. You said that was your third. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> no, I said that was my... Fortnite was your second. Oh, no, he did say Red Dead was his first. Yeah. Well, what was your third? My third was... Wolfenstein. Yes. Oh! Wow! <laughs> Where's Far Cry 5 in this list? Oh, I Fifth. forgot about that. <laughs> Again, I didn't go to school for math. So, <laughs> we can't do the countdown correctly. But where... Where is... Because Far Cry 5 did come out. I, I would actually have to go and say Far Cry was probably number two. Red Dead was number three. Or, excuse and, me, number one. <laughs> and Fortnite's an honorable mention. Fortnite is probably number three. <laughs> Wolfenstein's definitely an honorable mention. So uh, what did you like about Far Cry? Because we haven't talked about that one. Far Cry, I was kind of surprised when it came out. Because uh, I got it as soon as it dropped... And I was amazed at how current some of the issues outlined in the the story of the game were relevant to what's going on in the U.S. today. Um, Kind of a lot of different political viewpoints and, you know, you always kind of wonder what's going to go on and what's going to happen and, you know, crazy people with guns sometimes come around. So that was the whole basis of the game and it was very based around oh you know we're doing this for the greater good and for this this sort of religion we made up and it's really crazy the map is huge on it which is good and bad good in that it gives you a lot to do but bad that it takes forever to get from point a to point b but you can get a lot of really cool guns and animals that can help you out through the storyline like snow white but with an AK-47. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> there's a bear in there that you can get. They'll follow you around and maul people if you're being attacked. A lot of stuff to do around there. I think it's based in, supposed to be based around Montana. It's really cool. I liked it. And then I showed you the trailer this morning for Far Cry 6 New Dawn, which is a direct sequel to Far Cry 5. And that comes out, I think I said, February 15th of 2019. Yes, I'm excited for that because I know they're going to do a lot, a lot different stuff than what was in the previous one, especially based off the, the trailer that we saw for it. 
I'm interested to see what angle they take with it. And it looks like that one had the animals that can help you too. And Yeah, I saw a, like a... What are those pigs? A boar. A boar. There you yeah. go. I'm like, I thought it Just had a horns. Pig. Just a pig. <laughs> Just a pig. A pig with a... A sword in hand. And there, was, <laughs> and there were some bison with moss growing on them and Well, they're, they're supposed to be the nuclear blast that mm-hmm. kind of starts this game, which does tail off of the previous one. I'm interested to see where they go with the story. Yeah, so it should be an interesting game to try out next year. Maybe that'll be on your list at this time in 2019. Maybe it will. The other one I've seen on other people's like best of the year list is God of War, which... None of us have played, so we can't speak to that. I know he says boy a lot. That's about all I know of. In God of War? Yeah, I think that's that game. (laughs) I watched a little Let's Play of it. Not the whole thing, but I've seen a video. Yeah, I don't know much about that one. I saw on most people's worst of the year list, Fallout 76 was on there, which I don't think any of us played either. Which is really a disappointment, because Fallout 4 was an awesome game, and I played it. I actually played it twice. Um, yeah you did after we went through the whole storyline and then i was like wow that was really good i went back through it did some changes enjoyed it the second time as well i waited for fallout 76 for a while to see how it would do and it just tanked um i heard a lot of complaints about it so that's pretty disappointing well maybe bethesda will get it together next year i hope so So. (laughs) (laughs) maybe they rushed it too fast that very well could be I think they they did so much focus with online stuff, they forgot about the, the main story, is mm-hmm. how I've kind of read it. Hopefully next year will be a better year for them. And yep. now that I've wasted my drum roll on your number one, because you'd already given us your number one, I guess I could do a drum roll to say thank you for joining Yay! us on the podcast! Yay! Get out. Get out of this <laughs> office. Go back to your pause Red Dead in the living room. Red Dead is... Absolutely currently paused. I'm going back before my controller dies. Well, thank you for being our first official guest on the podcast. We do not have a gift bag to offer you. (laughs) I did the dishes this morning. That was your gift bag. You can mail me a check. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin O'Grady. Take your share with you. (laughs) So, as we go through the rest of our list here, hopefully I will be able to count a little bit better and keep track of just two people, not three people, so I can know if we've actually done our number one or not. So let's move into our, probably our biggest category because we're movie nerds in general and we have a lot to talk about in this one. So our top three movies from this year, since you didn't get to start last time, do you want to start with what your number three top movie was? Well, actually, when we were making these lists and we did not tell each other what we each put before this, I asked if we could do top five movies instead because I wrote down my top three movies very quickly and then realized they are all Marvel. (laughs) And I saw a lot of good movies this year that were not Marvel. So I wanted to give some space for me to talk about (laughs) not not Marvel things for once. (laughs) So I'm going to start with number five instead. Okay. Um, My number five... It's probably a little surprising, but it was a movie that I had a really good time at this year, and it was Ocean's 8. I really liked Ocean's 8. That's not on my list at all, but I really liked it. I thought it was a good, nice popcorn movie. Kevin, who is a huge spy movie person, spy movie, heist movie, that's his whole genre, basically, and he's obviously a huge fan of all the Ocean's movies. He really, really liked Ocean's Ryan 8. Ryan is the same. He really likes spy and heist movies, and he said one of his favorite things about that movie 
was it was a really good and fun heist without a single gun going mm-hmm. off. That's something Kevin said, too. And it it was just as good as the other Oceans movies. The only thing that I thought at the end, I was convinced Danny Ocean was going to be alive at the end of it, and then he wasn't, and I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Uh, but So maybe that was actually the twist, was that uh, he was actually, spoiler, in fact dead. <laughs> but I kind of thought he was going to pop up at the end, but... That was a good one. Did you have a number five or did you just have top three? I had, I had a top three and then I had a list of like honorable mentions. We'll so you can do your number four first. Okay. My number four was A Quiet Place. I did like that one too. Also not on my list, but I did like that one a lot. I don't watch a lot of horror movies, even though I'm very interested in them, but I will not sleep when I watch <laughs> most of them. So I told a friend that I would go see A Quiet Place with her because I knew no one else was going to go. Her husband was like, absolutely not. This is not happening. Yeah. And I wanted to see it, and but the whole day I was like, oh, I'm so nervous. I don't want to go in there and not sleep. I was fine when the movie was over because the monsters, they look like monsters I've seen a lot before, so maybe I was a little desensitized mm-hmm. to it. So I was able to actually focus on the story a lot, and I think it's so easy to overlook sound as in how important it is to affecting people. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to watch a movie that was all focused on sound and that's Mm -hmm. how they manipulate you in a good way Mm -hmm. as an audience member i remember at one point during one of the many very quiet parts someone dropped a lid (laughs) in our theater and everyone wanted to like was like going over their seats to yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it was a really great movie i don't know how i feel about them making a second one but well that seems I'm just not sure what the second movie would be about, I guess. I think I've seen rumblings around that it would be about different people. Uh, Well, that could be. In the same world, which... Could be interesting, I guess. I think the Oscar nominations are not out yet, right? They'll Um, be out probably soon, though. They should be out soon. I'm going to be really interested to see if they actually do nominate that for an Oscar in sound editing. Because they should. Although, I will never forgive them... For last year for not giving Baby Driver. And giving it to Dunkirk instead. Yeah. Which Dunkirk was a, a good movie. Yeah, it but was, uh, the sound editing was great, why, but it was just yeah. all the war brah yeah. that you get in every Why would you movie. not give the sound editing Oscar to Baby Driver? Like, <laughs> yeah. I will I will never get over that. But, anyway, I did, I did enjoy A Quiet Place a lot. So, I just have, like, this quick list of honorable mentions that did not make it onto my top three. Oh, I lied to you. A Quiet Place is on my honorable mentions. I just looked again. See, oh. I didn't go for math or memory in school, apparently, but, uh, um, so what am I- It's all the cheese. It's all the cheese that's addling my brain. We had to take a cheese break for two days. <laughs> so, to too much. so, in addition to A Quiet Place, I also had Deadpool 2 on my honorable mentions. Which I really liked that movie, but it was not yeah. on my top five. It was, it was really hard to narrow down movies this year, honestly. Especially considering, I think I saw 50 movies. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it was it was hard to narrow down. Deadpool 2, Venom is one of my honorable mentions because, as I've, I think I said on this podcast and I've told you before, it was a terrible movie that I had an absolute blast watching. I hope they make a second one. I will pre-buy tickets. So that was my thoughts on Venom. Avengers Infinity War is on my honorable mention. It did not make my top three for reasons we'll get into in a minute. And Isle of Dogs is my other honorable mention. This will be a very difficult year at the Oscars for the animated category, for sure. Because Isle of Dogs should have won 
if something else didn't come out this year that we'll talk about probably in a minute. <laughs> so that was my honorable mentions. So now moving into your official number three. My number three is Infinity War. Infinity War. Woo! I Which think was they a great movie. handled the task of that many characters pretty well while still setting up a plot that wasn't just look at this one and look at this one and look at these mm-hmm. other fifty ones. <laughs> these other fifty ones. <laughs> these other 50, <laughs> 51 characters. I think they did the cliffhanger right mm-hmm. because if. They had done it wrong. It would have ended right when he snapped and you would not have known who died. Which would have pissed me off. Yeah. That's, that <laughs> is honest. how, that is a very bad cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I have an MFA in creative writing, so, <laughs> so I feel like I things. should know. But they ended it at the correct place because we saw everyone who died. Mm-hmm. So now you're not wondering, you're not spending a year wondering which of them are dead, which of them are not, because that gets tiring. You're wondering what are they going to do about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do a good cliffhanger. And we all, I mean, none of us are are stupid, right? Like, all of us know some, if not all, of these people are coming back in Endgame. We know that. We knew that watching this movie, this was very well something that was going to happen. Some of them were going to die, but we all knew they were going to come back. But this movie was so good that I still was very much upset at the end of that movie. Even though I know, clearly, these fictional characters will be back. Like, some of them have movies coming out, so they'll be back. T'Challa has a movie. Yeah. And so does Peter Parker. And so does Peter Parker. (laughs) So, I mean, they will be back for sure. But still, even, like, thinking about sitting through the credits, and it got to the end part, and it said Thanos will return instead of the Avengers will return, I, like, had this visceral reaction of, like, ugh! (laughs) Like, how dare you do that to me? So, I mean, it was a great movie for that reason. I still think about the guy I did not know sitting next to me during that movie when everyone was disappearing and he was a wreck. Oh. I mean, everyone was, but he, every time someone would die, he'd go, oh, Bucky, T'Challa, oh, Peter, and his he was crying and like a blob in his seat and his girlfriend was like, are you okay? Johnny, it's okay. And he was like, no, it's not going to be okay ever again. Poor guy was so upset. And, I mean, the Peter Parker one was exceptionally sad for storytelling reasons, but was his drug out because of his ability to heal? So, was he, like, disappearing slower? This is a question I've always had. Did Peter Parker disappear more slowly than the rest of them because he has that ability to heal quickly? Does he have an ability to heal quickly? Doesn't he? Does not Spider-Man have that? Or was it because he was in space? I think it was just for a dramatic effect. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to find an actual reason for why this happened other no. than storytelling. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I tried to throw a Marvel a bone there. But anyway. <laughs> it was just because it was sad because he... Because uh, it's Tony and yeah, all that. But I still think one of the worst ones was also T'Challa. Well, yeah. Because well, he reached out to... How do you say your name? I, I will say it wrong. Movie? But, I mean, that whole scene, you thought he was the one that was going to live. Well, yeah, because he reaches down to her and says, this is no place to die. And then he dies. And then he died. Yeah, that was (laughs) Groot was also very sad. Oh, Groot was very sad. Yeah. Especially because Rocket was still there. Poor Rocket's always losing Groot. I think of that picture of that little raccoon sitting by himself. Oh, my God. I think of Rocket now, because he's the only guardian left. I know. That's so sad. But anyway, uh, what is your number three? Well, keeping with the the sad... Well, it's not sad, but uh, my number three was actually Christopher Robin. 
which way back when they announced that Disney was going to be doing all these live action remakes, some have obviously been more successful than others. I think some people are way, way, way too wrapped up in, oh, they're not just like the animated original, which, duh. That's, <laughs> to me, that's always been the point. I don't want to watch literally the exact same movie just with real people in it. So I like that they're different. But when they announced that as part of this, they were going to do a live action Winnie the Pooh, I was like, wow, sounds creepy. Like, I, I didn't think this was going to be a good movie. And then I saw the trailer for it and just completely loved it. And so we went and it was just, it was obviously kids would love that movie. I mean, they would love a movie about Winnie the Pooh in general, but it's a great movie for kids. But it was definitely a movie made for adults. And it's made for this millennial generation that's very into nostalgia and all mm. of that. And I kind of expected, because I'm a huge emotional person, I totally expected to cry at this movie because I cry at puppies on TV, you know, so I mean, I fully <laughs> expected to cry at this, but I didn't expect to have a sad opening sequence that kind of rivaled the opening sequence of Up in terms yeah. of how sad it was because I was not prepared to see Christopher Robin going to war juxtaposed with Pooh waiting at the door for him to show back up and come back. And, I mean, that was just, like, horribly sad. But I really loved how they did... I won't tell you what the ending is because I know you haven't seen Christopher Robin. The ending of it was pretty perfect because I was really worried this was going to be a, well, eventually we do all have to grow up and let things go or whatever, and there was still going to be the sad scene of Pooh just coming to peace with that, you know, he didn't get Christopher. <laughs> or I thought we were going to you know, Pooh and friends would get passed off to Christopher Robin's kids and that that would continue. And we got neither of those. Hmm. So that was good. I really loved it. I did cry through the whole thing. Kevin cried. Kevin's brother saw it and he cried. I mean, people in the theater were crying everywhere. It was, it was great. But it was, it was like the end of Infinity War all yeah. over again. <laughs> yeah. And so while it was like touching and make, you know, makes you cry and stuff, it was a happy movie mm -hmm. overall. So that was my number three. So what was your number two? My number two was Black Panther. This one I is think it was tie for my number one, so we'll get to that in a minute. I think it was a perfect superhero movie. Like, it was fun. It was emotional. It had one of the best villains of Marvel and DC movies mm -hmm. ever, I think. He was a great villain. Yeah, T'Challa was very human, very connected with people, and even though he was a king and he has a lot of money and technology, he still felt like he could be your buddy. Mm-hmm. Which I think is important for a superhero mm -hmm. movie. Like, you want to feel like they could be your friend and you could trust them. Mm-hmm. And I like that it they had some timely themes in there without, you know, spending the whole movie on that and still allowing the superhero story to be at the center, but... You know, I loved the ending when he's setting up, he set up a school, I think, didn't he? Of some sort for those kids to go to, the ones in America. I think so. They were setting up a Wakanda, like, center that Shuri mm -hmm. was gonna work Yeah, at. and help spread the knowledge and the, you know, the technology that they've built and all of that, which I loved that. And it just, it was one of those things when... I was like, kind of like with Wonder Woman, that you don't really realize what you're missing until what you have been missing until you see it. And it's easy for me as a privileged person to be able to say that, that I didn't realize what I was missing, you know, because other people haven't gotten to have that experience. And I'm so glad that more little kids watching these superhero movies now have people that look like them, you know, to look up to. And that there's 
little white kids watching these movies that have more diverse heroes to look up to because that's right what everybody needs representation matters yes that is the (laughs) message of this podcast today but even even beyond that it was just a fantastic movie like so well acted directed written all of it marvel is really the 10 years in the making thing you can really see the movies coming out now of like are they're an accumulation of that yes for sure so, if Black Panther is your number one, what is your number two? So, my number two was Overlord, which when we did our fall movies podcast was the number one movie I was looking forward to for the fall, and it did not disappoint me at all. You need to see that one, too. I do but still need to see that one. It was, it was more war movie than I expected, which I think I talked about on a previous podcast, too, but that was okay, because it wasn't just, like, people fighting back the zombie hordes. It was actually a war movie with an interesting twist on it. There's a good, like, strong female character in it, which was nice. This was a fairly diverse cast, too, for being set in World War II. It was just a lot of fun to watch in general, and it was a lot of fun to sit there and eat popcorn and watch crazy stuff happen and blow up. It was just a good time. It was good, because, you know, with Black Panther, which obviously is more of a, it's a popcorn movie, but there's more to it than that. It's mm-hmm. more meaningful. Overlord is a good movie because it was just a good time at the movies. So <laughs> there's two sides of that quote, but that was my number two. So your number one, I'm going to guess, I will I will just tell you my number one is now a tie as of last night. As of 18 hours as ago. As of 18 hours ago because my original number one was Black Panther and it now is a co-number one with what I'm assuming is your number one. Yeah. Again, no surprise, my number one is Into the Spider-Verse, which was the reason we had to wait a few days to record this because we hadn't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. And we went and saw it last night and it was, again, a perfect superhero movie. It was. And I even said last night that it was probably the best movie I'd seen this year and I felt like that wasn't fair to Black Panther because we've all waited so long for Black Panther. And I felt like they were... They're both Marvel movies, but they were different enough movies that I could make them co number one. We did just see Into the Spider Verse literally like eighteen hours ago, yeah. And holy cow, what a movie! I if you w- could only have watched one movie this year, I would have said it should have been that. Yeah, because that was it was amazing. Even like I appreciated that it looked like a comic book. Like if you think of how Scott. Pilgrim did that, and that mm-hmm. was really fun. It's, like, ten times more detailed than that. Because it was actually animated. Yeah, and the story is really great and interesting, and it makes a lot of references to Spider-Mans of movies past. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate how in everything now, we all have to... Anything, like, Spider-Man related, we need to acknowledge Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 <laughs> and his emo <laughs> dancing and his finger guns, but I feel like that is... An iconic, unfortunately I mean, iconic moment in our Spider-Man history now. I mean, I hope Tobey Maguire enjoys it and isn't, like, put off by that because <laughs> it's just, it's Tobey Maguire was not a bad Spider-Man. No, he wasn't. Spider-Man 3 was just a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. But uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I did. I loved everything about it. The animation, you can tell, was just a serious labor of love. And I thought it was a great, a great take on like the father-son storytelling trope that, you know, is in a million and two movies, but this was a, a really good take on it. I think the overall message, even though this movie has been in production for a long time, 
I think the overall message was definitely like Stan Lee's whole passion. Yes. That all of us could put on the mask or whatever. That was his whole life's work. Yeah. So I I think that message gets put into his Spider-Man cameos more than other ones. Well, because he loved Spider-Man, I think. Spider-Man yeah, was Spider-Man was very close to his heart. Yeah. I think it's one of the, I don't want to say he's one of the first ones mm-hmm. that he and the other Marvel guy that's just as important created. Stan. Yeah. Stan Ditko. Yes. Yeah. Stan and Stan. <laughs> he said a lot before that Spider-Man is just very close to his heart because he could be any of us. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that last night. Other superheroes, like Thor is a god. I just looked at... I just have to add on here that it was Steve Ditko, just oh, so we Steve. don't sound like assholes. Stan and Steve. <laughs> Steve Ditko. Anyway. The other superheroes are really fun and really great. No one could have just been Iron Man. And Thor mm-hmm. is a god. We obviously can't do that. As much as we all love the Hulk, no one wants to be the Hulk. <laughs> no, nobody wants to be Bruce Banner, honestly. Captain America, he did start out as a normal dude, but that was also back in the 40s. Yeah, and not all of us could have been a soldier soldier. in World War II, you know? Yeah, and it was was really nice to see Miles finally be, well, he was in the video game too, and his origin story has some similarities to Peter Parker's, but it had like a nice mirroring effect, but not too much. I was like, this is just the same story with a different kid. Yeah. Which, and it was very aware that all of the Spider-Mans in the movie, or Spider-People, I should say, have extremely similar origin stories for a reason, but it was very, like, aware of that. It was Deadpool self-aware without, and kind of- Without being meta. Yeah, and it kind of towed the line of breaking the fourth wall a few times, and the, the after credits clip was amazing, because it was just, like, the perfect use of, like, a meme and internet culture- while still being funny to someone who didn't know that that was a meme. Yes. So that was a that was a good use of that. It was a perfect movie. I could talk about it for an entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. But we should move on to... Let's do TV shows. Okay, TV shows. For TV shows, we decided it could be a show that actually aired on broadcast television or was on a streaming service like Netflix or Hulu because... Those kind of things are allowed to be nominated for Emmys, so why can't they be nominated for my top three on this podcast? So to kick things off, my top three, or my number three, I should say, show this year was RuPaul's Drag Race, because... I can't believe I completely forgot to consider (laughs) RuPaul's Drag Race. So RuPaul's Drag Race has obviously been on for almost 10 years now, I think. I think it was 2009 when the first season started. and we've done 10 seasons. Yeah, so... This year, though, we had a regular season of Drag Race, we had All-Stars 3, and All-Stars 4, which is on right now. was this year. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? We also had an Olympics this year, if you can believe that. (laughs) I don't. Um, So we got three seasons of Drag Race, two All-Stars seasons, and the show moved on to VH1, so they have a much bigger budget. Obviously, at this point, the show is... It's kind of towing that line of it's getting so big it's about to eat itself, you know? Well, having but, two all-stars in one year is a little concerning. A as much yeah. as I love watching it, yeah. I don't want it to burn out by doing three seasons yeah. a year. I'm doing all-stars that frequently. Yeah, but so far, the all-stars four that's on right now has been really good. It has. You know, the show, it's a reality show, and it's a reality show that has always been meant to make fun of reality TV. Of course, certain things on there are very highly produced. 
there's a subreddit completely dedicated to people figuring out when queens are actually out filming Drag Race and getting spoilers. And so All Stars 4, you can tell, rather than fight against that and fight against the internet culture around this and the huge behemoth that this thing has become in mainstream culture, they actually just bought into it. Now for All Stars 4, we have those little six minute behind the scenes things where instead of untucked, because you don't really, if you want, if, if this is all sounding very confusing to you, <laughs> during the portions of the regular seasons of Drag Race, when the queens are waiting to find out who's going to be in the bottom two, they used to do a little show on YouTube where it was like this 10 minute thing of them backstage waiting to figure that out and just kind of the the discussions and things that happen then but in the all-stars format the winners of the week get to choose who to send home so they already show them backstage talking about that because that's like yeah what untucked normally would have been so now they have this little thing that goes up on youtube the next day that's just them after the taping is done and showing the queen who got eliminated showing them going home and they're much more open about like letting them show outfits that they brought with them that are clearly referencing what's going to be coming up and that kind of thing whereas before they tried to make it seem like oh they just brought random outfits and they were given a a theme that day and they had to make it work and now they're much more open about like no they're told months in advance what the potential mm -hmm. themes are and they have outfits made and you know all of this so I think that shift is probably going to save them for I think so. at least several more seasons. I mean, I just think it's great that something like Drag Race is so popular in the mainstream. I mean, I know there's the risk of, uh, of course, of people in the mainstream not giving the culture, like, the respect it deserves or not understanding where drag culture comes from or what it means and all of that and just thinking of it as, like, drag race only. But on the other hand, hopefully it's introducing a lot of people to drag and more of the LGBT community that maybe wouldn't have seen otherwise. So that was my number three show this year. Well, it probably would have been on my list if I hadn't... It's your honorable mention. Yeah, we'll make it my honorable mention. My number three was a show that has been on for five seasons, but I just started watching it this year, and it is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yes. <laughs> because I saw that cold open, the Backstreet Boys one, that went viral on the internet early this year after it aired, and I saw that, and that made me watch the show. And Ryan and I watched all five seasons. We started, like, in May, and then we we blew through the first four really fast. Mm -hmm. And then Brooklyn Nine-Nine got unexpectedly canceled by Fox, and we were like, oh no! So we were really stretching out season five, because it was, like, this precious <laughs> to make it little last. thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then it was picked up by NBC, or ABC. Mm -hmm. And it comes back in January. Uh, but it really fills that sitcom hole that a lot of people have. It's a lot like Parks and Rec. It's more like Parks and Rec than Parks and Rec is like The Office. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't have like fourth wall breaks. Mm -hmm. and the cast is diverse, which is nice in both terms of race and sexual orientation. They don't shy away from talking about tough subjects. That is true about real police officers and relationships. Oh, that's interesting. They do a good balance of talking about serious things like that and also are still being a comedy. Because it's mm -hmm. possible to do both. Like, comedies can explore very important things. Mm -hmm. And it's just really fun and wholesome. I and have to Andy Samberg. <laughs> I know Andy Samberg. I think he left Saturday Night Live Yeah. to do this show. And I hope it's on for many more seasons. Yeah, well, hopefully now that it got picked up by a new 
station. It will be. So my number two is actually one that we talked about on the podcast before. And funnily enough, at the time I had said, oh, I don't feel the need to binge watch it. It's okay. And then I watched a couple more episodes and then I binge watched the rest of the season and ended up really, really enjoying it. And that's The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. I ended up liking this a lot more than I thought I was going to. Like right off the bat, I really, really liked the whole aesthetic of the show and just like the color palette and the way it's filmed and all of that. So I did enjoy that. But the more I got into it and like the darker the storyline got, I was like, oh, this is a lot different than what I thought it was. And I'm on board with it. I did recently watch the Christmas special, (laughs) air quotes, that they put up called A Midwinter's Tale. That was just a nice little like capsule and included everything I really love about that show. But they are, they're exploring really, really interesting themes that I didn't expect out of that show. So that's good. Beyond just Sabrina and her family, throughout the first season you find out that everyone in that town is basically more involved with magic than maybe they even know that they are. And it's just funny from watching Riverdale, just like how much cooler Greendale is than Riverdale. Yeah. Especially since Riverdale for a very brief moment of time was like, is Cheryl a witch? Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, let's do this. And then it's completely gone away. I keep wanting Cheryl to be a witch and to show up on (laughs) Sabrina. The first episode of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is called October Country which I feel like is a fantastic band name, book name, and drag name. (laughs) So Please welcome to the the stage, stage, October October Country. Country. (laughs) I'm claiming that, though. If if no one else can have that, that's my drag name. If I'm... (laughs) Whenever I do drag, I guess. (laughs) So, that was my number two. My number two was the second season of Westworld. Which I have not watched, but... I yeah, know. it's it's very violent, well, um, it's and it's a little bit of a mess. It's Westworld. Not, yeah. <laughs> All the acting on it is so good. The two people that play the man in black slash William, mm-hmm. like, you can tell they put a lot of effort and time into making sure they played this character exactly the same, like down to like how he stands and how he moves his shoulders. Just the little mannerisms. Yeah. And the actor, I should remember his name, I should have looked it up, that plays Bernard, continues to be very underrated. Oh, and it, it's funny because I, I think he's amazing and he's not typecast or anything like that. But every time I see him, I just think BT in my head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though it's been like how long since the Hunger Games came out. I forgot. And he was a famous actor before <laughs> Hunger Games and he's done plenty of big things after Hunger Games. But every time I see him, I just think of BT. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Tessa Thompson is really good. So is Evan Rachel Wood, and I should remember her name. Do that plays. <laughs> Why am I so bad at names when we start this? Because you're full of cheese and confused at what day it is. Yeah, she the one that tried to get on the train in season one, right? Is that who you're talking about? Yes, Maeve. 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 But who's <laughs> the who is the actress that plays Maeve? Do do. Thandie Newton. Thandie Newton. There you go. And Jeffrey Wright is Bernard. Jeffrey Wright and Danny Newton both definitely deserve more credit. Everyone on that show deserves a lot more credit for what they do Mm -hmm. than they get. Actually, I mean, Westworld in general has some big names on it and always has, like Ed Harris as the man in black. Obviously, Anthony Hopkins. James Marsden, who used to be in all this, like, teen heartthrob stuff, just in general. Tessa Thompson is in it. Tessa Thompson, Mm mm-hmm. Just a lot of really big names in general for a TV show. 
I, I know the internet was kind of back and forth on whether they liked this season or if some people um, I saw around, like in comment sections and such, said that the season was so terrible that they quit, that they will not watch the show anymore, which was a little surprising to me. Yeah. Because it was a little bit of a hot mess, especially in the beginning, but I think it pulls itself together. It has the episode about the Ghost Nation, which is exceptionally beautiful. The actor in that one, I think his name starts with a Z. That one I couldn't tell you. I think he got on the shortlist for nomination. For Emmys? For, well, I think the Golden Globes. Oh. And then he would be Emmys way in next September. Yeah. Yeah. Emmys isn't. Or wait, maybe, no, because I think it didn't count as for the last Emmy cycle. So it'll just be the next one. Yeah. I think he got on the shortlist for nominations for one of those and mm-hmm. did not end up getting nominated, and it's an abomination. <laughs> right up there with sound editing for Baby Driver. <laughs> yeah, it is the same level as that, because that episode, it's like its own little story by itself. It's one of those take a break from the main action episodes, mm-hmm. but it is insanely beautiful. Well, I will watch season two. I will. You are. We're going to finish <laughs> Stranger Things while I'm here. And, and finish some other shows so your list goes down. So yes, you can start so we watching can start Westworld. Westworld. Anyway, so what is your number one show? Um, well, my number one show is the reason I hadn't watched Westworld or finished Stranger Things. <laughs> the show that um, Kevin and I did binge watch in about a week and just kind of ate my brain for a while, which was The Haunting of Hill House, which I had seen a lot about it. And then around October when we were kind of into spooky things... Anyway, <laughs> spooky things. Um, I thought it would be good to watch this show about ghosts, and I knew it had been based off of the same source material that, I guess it was just called The Haunting, that movie that came out in like <coughs> late '90s, maybe early 2000s. That it was I remember. Also a book. Yeah, which the book came out very old. Yeah, like 70s, maybe even 80s. Oh. Maybe even older than I'm that. I'm pretty sure it's older than that. But The Haunting, I remember because I watched it at some sleepover in middle school or something and I remember even then thinking like well I'm like a middle schooler so I'm still a little scared but (laughs) this movie is so (laughs) stupid and I just remember clearly from that movie her walking up the stairs in the house and there being welcome home Eleanor painted in blood on the wall and as I was watching Haunting of Hill House I kind of forgot that these were based on the same source material until we got to this one point when Nellie, whose name would obviously be Eleanor, her formal name, peeled off wallpaper at one point, at one point and underneath the wallpaper in crayon was written, Welcome Home, Nellie. And I was like, oh, this is just like clicking <laughs> for me now. This is a better version of that thing I watched at that sleepover. But the whole story is just, I mean, amazingly twisty and detailed and fast-paced and it's definitely bingeable um there's some scary stuff in it for sure especially if you are freaked out by the idea of like sleep paralysis and that kind of thing I've told you a little bit about it because I know you're not gonna watch it because the sleep paralysis thing yeah but just even the big reveal of like who the bent neck lady is which is one of the ghosts that's very prominent in the first um several episodes and the whole episode at um, which, spoiler, Nellie's funeral, when the family all comes together and their dysfunction is very apparent and they shot the entire, um, episode, I believe, in just seven separate long takes, one of them being, like, 15 plus minutes long, 
which is just insane to me. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people think (coughs) actors and actresses really just have it easy. They have these easy jobs and they just get a bunch of money to float around on just by being celebrities. But it's stuff like that that really makes you realize that cinema and TV, it's an art form. That is absolute art, like, to be able to do something like that. And since the show transitioned between their lives in the house decades ago and then their lives now in that one of the long takes was the dad in the present day walking down the hall of the funeral home and then he comes into walks into the house in the past and sees his younger self coming down the stairs and then it transitions to that they had to build the sound stages that way so that they could do the long take and had to have the actors in and out and all kinds of crazy thing like that. There's, I don't know if I've shown this to you, and I actually haven't watched this show, but there's the Jim Carrey show. It's either called Kidding or Just Kidding. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, I'm actually not sure if that's on Netflix or Hulu or something else, like Showtime it's or something on, like that. I think it's on something like Showtime or Stars. Or yeah. It, it might actually be on TV, but they, I haven't watched that show. I've heard that's interesting too, but I'll have to show you the video of a long take they did for one of those episodes that takes place in just this living room and this girl's life changes over the course of several months and they had um it's a really cool video where you can see the finished product and then the overhead view of them and there's like four different actresses that had to portray the woman in the scene because of how often they had to flip in and out they they removed entire walls of this room like it it's crazy so Anyway, that was my rant about (laughs) cinema being an art form, but Haunting of Hill House was just such a great example of that, and when we got to that episode at Nellie's funeral, that's when you just kind of realize, like, sure, there's some scary, jumpy ghost stuff in this show, but this is just really, like, a emotionally affecting story that's more about a dysfunctional family, so... Yes, that was my my number one show this my year. My number one show is a completely different note called The Good Place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is also about a sort of purgatory, but maybe a little different. Yes. Um, <laughs> this third season, I think there was about eight episodes this fall, and they're taking a small hiatus, and then they're finishing it in January, February. It's such an interesting 30-minute comedy show. Because mm-hmm. it does things that other 30-minute shows have never done before. Like, it's extremely ambitious. The storyline is crazy. In a good way. In a good place. In the good place. <laughs> and the end of every season has a super major twist. That other things, if they try to do it, it would not work. And um, how many seasons does it have now? Three. Three. The third season is, well, not currently airing, um... It'll do the last couple episodes in January, February. Mm-hmm. They only do about 10 episodes a year. So oh. that's another thing for a 30-minute show. You know, those usually have like 20, mm-hmm. 22 episodes. This one only has 10. And they stick to it. That's like they're They're not thing. stretching it out f- to fill 22 weeks of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the story just couldn't do it. It would ruin it. Mm-hmm. Because each episode is so packed so they stuff. they actually understand where they want the story to go probably well in advance then yeah instead of just trying to drag it out 
And I don't want to say much about it because I really want you to watch it. Okay. And I don't want to ruin <laughs> the twist at the end of season one and season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I guessed at the beginning of season two is starting to happen. And I'm That's very exciting. excited about it because I, I'm not like, oh, I'm so smart and I figured it out and no one else did. <laughs> they set it up like that. So you'd start to get this like, wait, is this what's really going on? Like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like yeah. you, the seeds were planted long ago for us to figure out who Jon Snow's mom was. And even though the book wasn't out, we knew before that episode of the show revealing that, like, you knew. Yeah. So kind of the same concept. Well, there's lots of TV shows that I apparently need to watch in 2019. <laughs> Me too. So I will be doing that. So to switch to an entirely different platform, now we're going to talk about books. Books! And for this one, just because there's so many books in the world, and every time I go to get a book, I'm amazed at how many books I have not read yet. I did read about 30 this year, which was a little bit short of my goal of 40, but more than I did last year, so that's good. But... We don't have the same rule of uh, it had to be written in 20 or published in 2018, I should say, to count on this list. It just was books that we did read in 2018. And actually, the three I picked, none of them were published in 2018. (laughs) Two of mine actually were. Well, that's good. That's a good balance then. So my number three is a book that I actually just finished very recently called The Book of Lies by Brad Meltzer. I think that's probably how I say his last name. This book is actually published in 2011. And was given to me as a gift on my birthday by April Nicole. Shout out to you. <laughs> and Nicole had told me that it was one of her favorite books of all time. And it was, it was just a really good read in general because it was, it's the kind of book that is hard to find a stopping point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the whole story actually takes place over maybe three days. And it's like a 400 page book. So it's, I mean, it's just go, go, go. Things bouncing off all over the place. But Um, you should read it, so I won't give you too much of it, but in a nutshell, it's about a guy who, um, Cal, and when Cal was young, he witnessed his, his mom had not a great mental state and had lots of problems and was kind of a mess from the get-go, but she and, uh, Cal's father get in a fight and he ends up shoving the mom and she hits her head and dies and then his dad goes to prison and all that and so he loses contact with his dad and then he, um, in the present day, ends up coming across his dad who's been shot in the park and starts to figure out what his dad's been doing all these years. And he finds out that the gun that shot him is actually a very specific kind of gun that killed Jerry Siegel's father. Whoa. And Jerry Siegel is the creator of Superman. Wow. So then they start to realize that his dad has a, a delivery that might be more than just shrimp in the back of the truck that they think it is and there's (laughs) There's more than shrimp in this truck (laughs) there is more than shrimp and there's another character named ellis who is hunting him and kellis kellis ellis has a tattoo on his hand that um has something to do with the mark of cain and the whole question is what what is the mark of cain what is it that god gave to cain after he killed his brother abel and is cain really a bad guy Hmm. Or was he really actually being rewarded? Was he being rewarded or punished by God? And so there's Nazis and there's Superman and there's <laughs> biblical stuff. And I mean, it was it was a great read. You can actually take it home with you if you would like to read it. Oh, good. <laughs> so what was your number three? My number three was a book that came out in 2007 that I don't 
really need to explain the plot because there was a movie about it, not this year, but last year, that got very big called Call Me By Your Name. Which is one I need to read. Yes. And I I don't always do that. I need to read the book before I see this movie. Um, but, but this time I decided to. So I read the book before I watched the movie. Um, and it's a, it's a very strong book. Um, it's written very beautifully without being too flowery. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it is not a YA book, but it is told from the point of view of the 17-year-old. And he sounds and acts like a teenager. Like a 17-year-old. Uh, but I decided to pick it as my number three book for the year because the last paragraph is one of the greatest last paragraphs I've ever read. Wow. And it doesn't happen in the movie, but it's one of those things where I was like, this is so good in words, I don't think they could have... Put it in the movie? Yeah. That makes sense. Is it so, if I read it, well, when I read it, should I not do that thing where every time I start a new book, I read the last two words of the book before I start it? No. <laughs> okay. I mean, you could, but it probably, in this case, it'd probably confuse yeah. you. I, I I, don't know why I do that, but it is a thing. I read the last couple words of the book. So, actually, when I got Deathly Hollows, I did read the, and it, his scar had not hurt in many years or whatever. Yeah, I think <laughs> everyone did that. I did that, too. Well, and that was Harry Potter, though. I think everybody was like, I have to know. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I can't wait 800 pages to know anymore. Dang it, Joe, I need to know right now. <laughs> If Harry's alive. So, yes, that's my thing. So, cool. That is on my to-read list, for sure. So, my number two was a book that was published in 2017, so close, called Sleeping Beauties by Stephen King and his son, Owen King. I had heard a lot about this book, and I saw the cover and thought it was cool, and then I got it from the library, and I picked it up, and I was like, I should have known this Stephen King book. I should have guessed this is 750 pages, because <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, this is a commitment. Great. Um... <laughs> And I ended up really, really loving it. It's very timely. I could do a whole thesis on my thoughts on Stephen King and women because he's not he's not a bad writer about women at all. And I don't think he... I think Stephen King is very feminist, actually. But he is... He has, like, this, like, deep fear of the power of women and it's very fascinating yeah. to me and he's I don't know if he's just like trying to tell everybody else that they <laughs> they should really be I mean Sleeping Beauties the the whole point of the book is like it's it's very timely because the whole point is that women have been put down long enough that maybe now that they're waking up everybody should be quite concerned is basically what the metaphor of this is but the the story itself is that these women in this one small town all start falling asleep at the same time. And when they fall asleep, they get cocooned in this web-like stuff oh. and don't wake back up. And then if they... And this happens to babies all the way up to old women. And if they, uh, someone tries to wake them up, they become extremely violent and kill them. And then he even did think to add in this detail because my first thought was like, what if it's, like, a woman with a kid and her son, like, tries to come wake her up or something? And he even had a scene in there with these women that some of them were starting to fall asleep and, like, something else took over and they carted their kids outside and placed them with a male neighbor and turned around and went back in the house to fall asleep so that the kids would be safe. Like, they oh. they did find a way to be safe. But anyway, um, there's also a... At the same time this is happening, a woman appears who 
happens to be named Eve and oh, seems convenient. like seems like a very uh mythical being and knows what's happening with the women and so part of the story is what's happening to the men and the women who are trying to not go to sleep in this town and as you can expect when it's mostly men it goes real lord of the flies pretty quick <laughs> the other part of the story is what's happening to the women while they're asleep because they all wake up in kind of a post-apocalyptic version of the small town with just them and very quickly realize this might be better. So it's hmm. them deciding, are we going to choose to wake up or not? So it there's a lot of, like, really deep, timely themes in it. But it was a good Stephen King book. Um, I wouldn't classify it as, like, a horror novel. There's definitely some gory stuff in it, for sure. But if you're not into, like, super scary Stephen King, this would be a good book of his for you. So... It is a time commitment, though. I will reiterate yeah. that. It is 750 pages. It is a time commitment. But I really, really liked it. There's also a small, kind of like Grapes of Wrath type style, a small side story that comes over several chapters of this fox and his perspective as he runs around and sees stuff that's happening and then meets Eve. And yeah, it's cool stuff. Recommend it. <laughs> and what was your number two? My number two was An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. Another one I need to read. Uh, it was his first book he's ever written. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's very... One of those books that's very timely, and it's trying to make a very obvious point about humanity and war and how we treat each other, and it has alien robots in it. Always a good Carl. choice. <laughs> Uh, it's about this young woman, I think she's 23, named April, that comes across this giant transformer-like robot going Iron home giant? from work. Sort of. Only he's not moving. He's just <laughs> oh. standing there. So she calls her friend that makes a pod... I think he makes a podcast, actually. Oh, like a, <laughs> An amateur podcast. And he does, like, video editing. So she calls him... To come meet her at this robot and she makes a, like a stupid little video where she's pretending to interview him because <laughs> she just thinks it's a weird yeah. New York City art piece. Yeah, not an actual robot. Yeah, that someone just like like Banksy mm -hmm. just put it there. So she like makes a derpy little video where she's like pretending to talk to him and then she goes home and goes to bed. And then when she gets up in the morning, the video has gone viral and it turns out she names him Carl in her video. Mm -hmm. It turns out these Carls have appeared all over the world. Oh. And security cameras, like, when they appeared that were looking on those areas, um, all fuzzed out. And what song was it? It might have been Don't Stop Me Now by Queen mm -hmm. was playing in the fuzz. And so April is suddenly a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And she ends up being, like, the head... For the entire world and trying to figure out what this is and working through... They, like, very slowly go through clues that the Carls are setting up for them. Oh, wow. This is not what I thought that book was about. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how Turtles All the Way Down was not about turtles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is a sci-fi book. It obviously leans very heavily on what Hank Green knows as a vlogger and an internet mm -hmm. personality. Um, his writing style is very different from his brother's. It's a lot more dry humor mm -hmm. and just more like frankness. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a really fun book. There's going to be a sequel 
Like, he planned it as a two-book thing. Oh, it's interesting that he planned it as a two-book instead of a three-book, because I feel like everybody does the three-book Yeah, Yep, just, just two, I think. And the main character tells you, like, pretty early on, something major is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it, it happened at the end, and I was still like, what the hell? And the book... <laughs> But then there was another another little thing at the very, very end that she did not tell you was going to happen. Cats are running around outside. That <laughs> we were getting broken into. Uh, what is your number one? So my number one, speaking of series of three, um, is actually the third book in a series published in 2017 called What the Hell Did I Just Read by David Wong. Um, and this is number three in the, I guess you just call it the John and Dave series at this point but the first book is called john dies at the end which was made into a movie i did rewatch that movie recently and didn't feel as angry about it as i had <laughs> before um because the movie version was actually cast very well yeah and the several cast is things good. several things in the movie were done very well you just i will just never get over the fact that they did the riddle at the beginning and, and then, then took out the answer through. to the riddle yeah <laughs> but <laughs> Why did you take out Monster Dave? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> makes me angry thinking about it. But the movie, if you haven't read the book or anything, the movie's actually a good time if you're just into surreal, wacko, you know, stuff like that. But John dies at the end. Um, David Wong is either the, I guess he's probably the editor of Cracked.com. I think so. He's one of them. He's one of he's the- A main one. A main person there. And John dies at the end started as a series of like chapters that he posted on a website and so this book and the series has a pretty serious cult following because people used to read these chapters as they sporadically appeared and they had printed out versions of these that they used to make their own book. And I think sometimes he posted chapters out of order and, you know, not that really anything in John Dies at the end needed to be in order, <laughs> but um, it's, the whole series is very off the wall, very crass, very vulgar, um, but I loved, loved, loved John Dies at the End. And it's basically about, in a nutshell, two friends, John and Dave, who find a, a drug that they call soy sauce that seems to be very alive and taking it gives them the ability to see things in other alternate dimensions. And the town they live in is kind of a hotbed for stuff like that. And the walls between dimensions seem to be very thin <laughs> there and things spill out all the time. And so after their adventures in the first one, they get known for um, being able to take care of this supernatural stuff. And they're, they're just a couple of like stoner losers, honestly. And it's a little Bill and Ted-ish. Yeah. And they're really, honestly, not even great people. Like they get better as the, they get to be better people as things go on. But that's kind of the point is they're, they're not great people. <laughs> Neither of them are. And they're, they're pretty self-centered and selfish and that kind of thing. But the second book is called, this book is full of spiders. Um, and that one was really good too. But the third one is called, what the hell did I just read? Which is probably a reaction you will have by the time you finish <laughs> the book. But it is so fun. And it is fast paced and makes you just want to keep reading. And even though they're not great people, it's, you just really are attached to the characters, and I just love them, and they are just so fun to spend time with, and there's lots of interesting twists and crazy things that happen that don't even make sense, and by the end of the book, it all somehow comes together, and by the time I finished, my thought was like, man, I am sad that this is over, and I really hope 
there will be a fourth John and Dave book. So that was, I may read it again because I liked it so much. No, so. I s- I've only read the first one, so I need to read this book as yeah. full of spiders first. And those books are a pretty decent size, too. Yeah. I mean, they're 500 probably plus pages, but there's a lot of occult symbolism and conspiracy theory stuff and just aliens, all kinds of things. So um, if you're into that, I definitely recommend those. So what was your number one? My number one book was a little surprising. <laughs> That was my sad drama. But also not surprising. It was Blood Communion by Anne Rice. Which I've also not read. We we managed to all pick books that neither <laughs> the, the other one has not read, so that's good. The other two most recent Vampire Chronicles books she wrote in 2014 and 2016, if we had done this then, would not have been in my top three. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't enjoy them and have some fun. Um, Prince Lestat in the Realms of Atlantis was uh, very strange uh, the name of that book is strange to me I mean, honestly is the vampires and atlantis and space birds and lestat. there's some aliens that are I um mean, what else is there birds. left for lestat to do at this point so yeah i mean he's how so old like, now well, <laughs> so he's only like 300 something i mean you can do a lot in 300 years <laughs> uh but anyway those ones i was kind of like yeah this is fun but there are parts of it um, you know what Anne Rice does her thing where she makes a side character that yeah. really doesn't mean anything, but she suddenly decides like they're very important. Yeah. And <laughs> Lestat needs to talk to them for two hundred pages and learn their entire life story yeah. for no reason. And then every and once then, in a while that side character like will pop up like three books later or something. Yeah. But <laughs> I recently reread some of the Vampire Chronicles and I think the worst that happened in was Memnock the Devil where he met that really rich guy, and he had to learn his whole damn story. And I was like, oh my god, you're just gonna eat him. And then he did! And I was like... <laughs> Which, I guess on one hand, it's... Maybe that comes from a place of like, well, what else is Lestat gonna do with his time? Yeah. But you Blood know? Communion... So. Took a little switch back to being... I want, I'm not gonna say it's like as good as the first three books, but it's much more vampire shenanigans focused yeah the villain is another vampire uh the space birds are not there that's good no what are you doing Anne? (laughs) with the space i don't even know how to explain (laughs) the space birds but in a very short version the space birds are the reason vampires exist (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) but uh blood communion has a lot of like there's no, like, long sit down with someone, let's talk about your life story. Yeah. Um, for a long time. It's actually a shorter book than the last two have been. Uh, there's just, like, a lot of random shit. But, yeah. like, in a good way. Yeah. Like, people are just dying, and there's blood, and there's, of course, there's dancing, because that's what they do. Communion. Uh, they have a blood communion at the end. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> After all this, like wacky stuff goes on that just completely made me random thought that popped into my head that i did have an honorable mention tv show that i can't believe i forgot which was american horror story apocalypse but we oh, talked yeah. about that one a lot so <laughs> yeah. anyway i was like blood communion and then that made me feel <laughs> <laughs> so, brought me right back to that show anyway uh, but it has a lot more action than <laughs> oh, the other good. recent ones have and it was just really fun I will have to read that. I do I do love Anne Rice, and I feel like she's the kind of person you actually could talk to and be like, Anne, listen, that one wasn't quite my jam. And she'd be <laughs> like, oh, 
okay. <laughs> you know, she was like, cool. And I also feel like she's just been writing that series and those characters for so long now that, I don't know, I'm sure, like, changes in her own personal life, because she's had this really interesting trajectory of being an atheist, becoming Catholic, becoming agnostic, and so, yeah. like, I think her own personal, like, religious path and other personal paths has probably affected how some of the stories have been. Yeah, and you definitely can tell about um, it. Which is cool. I mean, that's just cool in general, but good for her. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so that's uh, it for books. Let's talk about YouTube channels. Yeah. So these next couple categories we have are quicker ones. So I think what I'll do is I'll just give you all three of mine in order. Okay. Then you can do yours. So I do watch a lot of YouTube and I watch a lot of random YouTube, but I do have several subscriptions that I try to check in on once in a while, but especially when I'm on the train to work or something like that, it's just nice to have those things that, like, aren't TV shows that I don't have to focus as hard on. But my number three channel this year was a channel called Expedition Theme Park, which is so interesting if you are into, like, the history of theme parks and rides and things like that. The guy that does it also just has a great voice for this kind of stuff, and he, he puts out a ton of content. Like, I'm impressed with the amount of content he does. And he does very thorough videos on history of entire theme parks, history of rides, histories of areas of theme parks. He has a really great series on the history of Halloween Horror Nights and how that all evolved. He has really interesting stuff on some theme parks that are more, like, Europe-based and Asia-based. So places I don't really have easy access to, so it's really cool to learn about them. And he even has episodes that are, like, about, oh, I can't think of what it's called, but you probably saw the building in Florida of this year-round haunted house that used to exist there. But it was right there on, like, iDrive, I think. Oh, yeah. And he has the whole history of, like, what happened there, and even goes into detail of, like, once it closed, the auction of the props and where some of them ended up, and just really cool stuff in general. And he's very, he's, like, pretty family-friendly and, you know, that kind of thing, too. There's another channel, honorable mention here, that's similar called Defunct Land Mm -hmm. that does a similar thing, but with a very sarcastic, dry humor bent on things, which is, (laughs) you should watch some of them. There's a pretty great one on um, the Disney Zone, like, mini Chuck E. Cheese things they used to have and what a mess they were. But both of those are super interesting. Uh, My number two channel was Shane Dawson, because if you're into YouTube at all, he was kind of the thing on YouTube this year. I I mean, I'd heard of him before, but I will admit that it was pretty much his Jake Paul series where I really started to, like, pay attention to him, and just his editing and making that into a story across eight episodes, and just honestly, his knowledge of PR and branding, even if he wouldn't personally call it that, but marketing himself and all that super fascinating and then I discovered a lot of his stuff is just great and uh-huh. he well he's been on YouTube since the Jane dawn Johnson is an OG yeah he is YouTube I just had not really vlogging really wasn't the thing that I watched on YouTube but I watch a lot of his now and the reason he's done so well is because he's so relatable and yeah. he seems very authentic I'm sure like everybody else in his videos, some of that's a persona, for sure, but he genuinely seems like someone I could just, like, spend a ton of time with and hang out with. And then my number one channel 
for similar reasons, is Jacksepticeye. Because I really like Let's Plays in general, but some of them, I do like, like, Markiplier and some other people too, but some of them still cater toward, like, a younger audience, very specifically, which is fine. Not really my thing. Some of them play stuff I'm not really interested in, but Jack plays a really broad range of games, and he, while it's also probably an elevated version of his real self, he, again, just seems like someone I could just hang out with mm-hmm. and just really enjoy spending time with. And he, you know, along with, like, Markiplier and a couple of those other ones, he is under that Disney umbrella. And obviously he's gotten very big, and he's managed to integrate, like, the sponsored stuff that he's required to do in a way that's not weird, and in a way that is, like, him actually probably giving his opinion on it without violating a contract agreement. But I really liked his Spiral Reignited playthrough recently, too, because he's also someone that just adored Spiral, although he skipped Ripto and went right to You're the Dragon. Yeah, what you're sad about. <laughs> Maybe he'll come back to it. But I just, I've liked his stuff for a long time, and I see him definitely sticking around. So those were my three. What were yours? Uh, well, two of my three are the same, mm-hmm. but my number three one is Loser Fruit. Oh, I don't think I know this uh, one. She is a Let's Player in Australia. Her name is mm-hmm. Catherine, or Kathleen. She goes by Kath. Mm-hmm. And she is primarily a Fortnite player, which oh. a lot of them became a very big thing mm-hmm. this year. Uh, she also does Twitch streams, which I've actually never caught. But I know she does those frequently. She also makes YouTube videos of Fortnite games, and she has a little vlog channel because Mm -hmm. they have a gamer house in Australia currently where five of like the big Fortnite players in Australia moved into this big house together because they're all kind of friends anyway. So this is like the clout house and some of those other ones. Yeah, it's kind of like that where someone else is paying for it. They make videos not Fortnite, like playing Fortnite together Mm -hmm. every week. So she makes these like little five or six minutes vlogs of Mm -hmm. her just doing like really random stuff yeah <laughs> in the house she's very endearing she's like i like her because she's a gamer but i she's kind of more of a gamer like me even though she's way better than me where she's like she's more quiet and reserved but she's mm-hmm. not a boring person to watch because of that mm-hmm. i think she I hit one million subscribers recently oh so she's a not small channel but you know jacksepticeye has i don't know yeah 30 000, yeah i wanted to pick one that was Smaller. smaller yeah mm-hmm. but she's she's grown a lot in the six or seven months that i've That's been watching cool. her uh, my number two was jack septic guy mm-hmm. what i like about him is i feel like i know he still has a lot of young fans but i feel like i grew up with him because mm-hmm. we're very we're close, close in age, age right? we have the same birthday he's just a year older wow i didn't know that <laughs> yep we were both born on february 7th wow but i just feel like i've grown up with him through like all of my 20s mm-hmm. so it's like my comfort channel yeah he is very comforting yeah and my number one was shane dawson mm-hmm. because I, I used to watch shane way back in the day and then i kind of went away from it and then i re rediscovered him when he started doing his documentary series but what i like the most is i started watching his longer series from earlier in the year before mm-hmm. he did the tana con mm-hmm. And the Jake Paul and the Jeffree Star ones. And they're so funny. Did you watch the one with Graveyard Girl? Yeah, that yeah. was like this unexpected 
like eight part series that started with the airplane and then they went yeah. to Texas and then they rented or they tried to rent a RV and then they met Graveyard Girl and did like three episodes at her house and mm-hmm. then they went to the haunted the toy store the toy or store yeah <laughs> and it was just like this long Texas like these videos were independent but they were all like the Texas a whole story. little story of like what they did in a week in Texas yeah um, and so I like all of his his squad I guess mm-hmm. I really Ryland. like Ryland mm-hmm. and Ryland's sister Morgan they have a little I watched some older series like where they went to Stanley Hotel because mm-hmm. Ryland and Morgan are from Aurora Colorado oh I didn't even know that yeah <laughs> um there's one I have to show you this one actually later okay. where they go to the <laughs> Queen uh, what ship they go to one of those really is they it go to Queen really, Mary yeah they go to that ship for a night uh-huh and it is really funny we'll have to watch that because I w- I've been to the Queen Mary before yeah but yeah, that's why he's my number one, because it also branched into, I started watching all of everyone else in his videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's whole, Independent videos. A whole so. world. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, our other quick category that we have is our top three podcasts for this year, because of course, we're podcasts, so we might as well talk yeah. about podcasts. Yeah, we both listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Which so, would be better. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? My number three, um, I actually have two NPR podcasts on here, but my number three is Planet Money from NPR. Oh, Ryan loves that one. Which Kevin actually listens to a lot in the morning, but then I really started paying attention to. And I have learned so much from that podcast. (laughs) And they're short little bite-sized things, you know, not like our podcast, but (laughs) they're just quick little things you can listen to while getting getting ready in the morning. They had a super interesting one we listened to last week about A Christmas Carol and the actual, like, economic reasoning bet- behind Charles Dickens writing that book and this guy who had a very different economic standpoint that he really didn't like and that that's what this book is actually about and all of that. So that one was super fascinating. My number two is Up First by NPR, which is just a a nice way to stay up to date on what the heck is going on without having to try to browse through Facebook or, or, you know, something like that, but actually get real news in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I like that one. And then my number one is Reply All, which I showed to you recently. And for anyone listening, if you haven't listened to Reply All before, there's an episode from November that is a great one to start with. I think it's episode number 130 called The Snapchat Thief. So they, I don't think they regularly upload because they do some like investigative stuff and some more like long form type stuff. But the Snapchat thief is a very, very interesting look at what their content is all about. So yeah, I recommend starting there. For my podcast, my number three is one called I'm Horrified. Uh, there are smaller podcasts like us, only bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have one sponsor recently and I was Ooh. very proud when it showed up. Yeah. <laughs> So congrats uh, to you. Yeah, but they each bring a little story every week. And I think they started this podcast because they would tell each other crazy stories about various crazy things. And they would respond like, I'm horrified a lot. So every yes. time someone <laughs> said, one of them says horrified or that's horrifying, a little bell dings <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> and they do a variety of stuff. Like the most recent episode that I've listened to, they put one out on Christmas. I haven't. One of them talked about Ashley Madison. Mm-hmm. And the other talked about the subduction zone that's going oh, to take ca- out Portland. The Cascadia subduction zone. Uh, yeah. So, like, two <laughs> various different, very different things, but 
stories that mm-hmm. could elicit the response that I am horrified. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, it's really fun. It's about 40 to 50 minutes. I listen to it when I drive all the time. My second one is Unhappy Hour, which is by Matt Belisai and Barry Finkel. Matt Belisai, most people probably know him and don't realize it. He used to work at BuzzFeed and he made those wine about it videos where he oh, drink wine at work and yeah. complain about something. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't work at BuzzFeed anymore. He does his podcast and he does stand up. Oh. And he's written at least one book. So his podcast is kind of like the wine, the wine about it videos he made, only bigger. Mm-hmm. So he does like it's very segmented where he does worst news of the week, which is just like crazy news stories, and then he does a deep dive where he complains about something for ten to twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have a segment like that. <laughs> yeah, and then he does a guest. Mm-hmm. We can just have Kevin as every guest. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Kevin's and Ryan. Only, Kevin and Ryan are only guests. <laughs> but it's a really fun podcast. It's a nice break from the world mm-hmm. every week. Um, and my number one is Hanalyze This, which is Hannah Hart mm-hmm. and her friend Hannah Gelb. It was a podcast they started in Hannah, February. Hannah, Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a really fun podcast, but it's a lot more of a thinking one. It's based on self-help and self-care. I guess the best way to describe it is it's focused on how self-care is a lot more complicated thing than, like, taking a bath or yeah. not going With out drinking one night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they both get very personal on it about their own lives. And obviously, Hannah Hart is another OG YouTuber, and she still does media and entertainment as her main job. Um but it's really easy, I'm not, like, I really love Hannah Hart and connect with her too, but it's really easy to connect with Hannah Gelb because mm-hmm. she is, she has a full-time job doing something completely else. Yeah, not like a YouTuber Yeah, she's not a YouTuber, she's not an internet personality, she was just best friends with, with Hannah, Hannah Hart. Mm-hmm. And they decided to start this podcast together. She's been in a couple, like, My Drunk Kitchens. Yeah. Um, I think she's actually, I learned from this podcast, she's the reason My Drunk Kitchen exists. Because oh. Hannah Hart made the first one as a joke video to send to her. Oh. <laughs> and she, well, and it just went from there, I guess. Yeah. But, but it's, a, it's a very good podcast. Well, that, I mean, that was a lot. But to say, <laughs> in a nutshell, that was our look back at 2018 across several nerdy categories and things we really liked. So hopefully there were some things that were new to you that you can check out in 2019 But to wrap things up, we wanted to give a look at what we are really, really looking forward to in 2019. So for the top three 2019 things, we decided it could have been something from any category. It could have been three movies, it could have been three TV shows or a mix or any of that. So to kick things off, what is the number three thing, the number third in the voting, number three thing you were looking forward (laughs) to in 2019? This was really hard because there is a lot happening in 2019. Even just with movies. Yes. Honestly. Like, things I wrote down but couldn't include in my top three were Detective Pikachu. That's also on my honorable mentions. Uh, Star Wars 9. Mm-hmm. Another Spider-Man movie. Wonder Woman 2. Captain Marvel. Stranger Things 3. There's just a lot, There's a lot happening. But the one I ultimately picked for number three was Kingdom Hearts 3, which I have spent nearly half my life <laughs> waiting for. And that is not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. 
it has been just about half my life since it Kingdom Hearts 2 came has. out. So, spoiler, that is my number one. And it's because the sheer amount of time that we've been waiting. And I know you saw a box. I know there's a date. I am still not convinced this thing exists. Yes. It's so. like the next George R. R. Martin yes. Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire book. Yeah, Winds of Winter ain't coming, George. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's never coming. So I'm I'm literally not convinced this thing is actually going to come out and that it exists. Yeah. I'm hoping that expectations haven't been raised too high because of the amount of time we've all been waiting and everything and they kept pushing it back and pushing it back. But, I mean, I've been playing some of um, the, the, the three little games that you sent me. Dream Drop Distance. Dream Drop Distance. Um, and Birth by Sleep. Yeah, I've been playing some of that, but... I just miss Kingdom Hearts, like, in the same way that I really missed Spyro. Yeah. And as a kid, Kingdom Hearts was, like, I tried playing some of the Final Fantasy stuff, and it was kind of over my head. And I wasn't, like, as into it. Kind of like with some of those first-person shooters. I really wasn't into it. And Kingdom Hearts was a good way for me to get introduced to that world. And then get more into Final Fantasy and more of honestly more anime because yeah. of that so this was like a good introduction to that and i i fully expect that i'm gonna need to read like some cliff notes of kingdom hearts one and two before i play three because even trying to think about that right now yeah. i'm like baffled well all the side games and it's one of those things where like i watched the final trailer finally mm-hmm. like trailer 275 <laughs> that came out a week or so ago and I was like, I'm very, I am very excited, but I also have no idea yeah. what is going on. Yeah. And I say that as like a pretty hardcore Kingdom Hearts fan for most of my life, or yeah. half my life. And there are, and I'm sure this won't be any different, there are a lot of Final Fantasy references yeah. in things, and there's a lot of overlap, and the Final Fantasy world is huge. Yeah. Like, I can't even conceive of that, so that would be, that would be difficult for... I mean, even someone who's very into Final Fantasy to keep up with, I imagine. But next month, supposedly, it's coming. So we will probably have to do a (laughs) podcast on the Kingdom Hearts world in general after we've had some time to play it. But makes my little Disney geek heart happy. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Mine too. So my number three is probably somewhere on your list too. So we'll talk about that. But my my number three is Game of Thrones, the final season. Uh, Game of Thrones is my number one. And I will tell you the reason I put it as number three instead of one or two is because I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) So, in that sense, I'm not looking forward to it as much as some of the others because I am sad that this (laughs) show is going to be over. And it's going to be over in like six episodes, which are longer, but I'm I'm very, very excited. I have no idea how this thing is going to end. Yeah. I have some thoughts, but I, I, I don't even know what a satisfying ending would be. Honestly, I know what some unsatisfying endings would be, but yeah. I don't know what, like, I don't know what I want. I, <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but I just, like, I'm already dreading watching that last episode and seeing the credits come up or whatever, because I'm, like, already sad about it. <laughs> so Yeah, that's going to be a big moment. Yeah. It's... And it's soon. It's in April. Man. And it feels like, I remember when we finished watching that season in 2017 and being like, 
oh, 2019 is so far. We have so long to wait. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like here almost. Even though 2018 was the longest year. 2018, despite all these fantastic nerdy things, was kind of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of our nice little nerdy bubble that we make this podcast in, it was a long, kind of terrible year. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to 2019 instead, but... Yes. Not looking forward to seeing the credits of the final Game of Thrones episode. No. So, poor Kit Harrington can finally cut his hair! Oh man, he's gonna shave it all off. I, I, I would. would. <laughs> <laughs> After all this time, so. But I will definitely, we will definitely have to have, like, viewing parties that consist of me, Kevin, and the cats, but. <laughs> and you from a distance. Me and Ryan. Ryan watches it. Yeah. My number two, I guess, mm-hmm. is Avengers Endgame. Which I'm also sad is... Is the end game? (laughs) Yeah. It's not the end end for everybody, but it is the end of Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and Hulk movies. Of the Fab Five. Yeah, the Fab Four. (laughs) Or four, I guess. (laughs) Fab Five is... (laughs) Queer Eye. (laughs) The mouse in Captain America's pocket, I guess. (laughs) It's number five. It's number five. (laughs) Not a uh, Black Widow or Hawkeye. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Not even Bucky. It's <laughs> in his pocket. No, I'm concerned Bucky's going to be dead, dead. Yeah. I think Bucky is one of the ones. Because uh, I think there are some people that are going to be dead, dead. I have seen the theory that Captain America will be dead, dead, and Bucky will become the new Captain America. Don't hate it. Or Falcon, might. I mean... Okay. I, I think out of the out of the Avengers, I think Thor will be fine because he's he's, he's Thor. Thor. He's a yeah. god. Captain America, iffy. He Steve Rogers might be done done. Yeah. Because he already has and maybe a couple of them other do do too, but he has a precedence already set for a precedent I should say, set already that he will sacrifice himself to save everyone else. He's already yeah. done that before. So that very well could be his whole character arc. <laughs> Tony, I think, is going to be fine. I think he'll be. Oh, really? I thought either Steve or Tony will die. I give I... it like a 50-50. Oh, that's interesting. I because, feel like Steve. Because opposite but... of Steve, Tony would have to do it as his ultimate redemption, which is what he's always seeking. True. That is, yeah, that is true. Maybe it'll be both of them, and then Thor, Thor, I just don't see going anywhere. No. I feel like I Thor have, like, a 0% chance um, of surviving. Bruce Banner, I also don't think is dying. Which, I don't know, he's so mopey that, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that could also <laughs> be it, too. But, I don't it, Tony, I could see, too. It's, I don't think it'll be both. I think it'll be one no. or the other. It's not, I don't think it's gonna be Game of thrones and suddenly... All of them are... You know. Everyone will be dead, dead, but I think someone will die for real. Yeah, someone will. And outside of the Avengers group, we know for sure who's not, who's coming yeah. back. T'Challa, Doctor Strange, Doctor T'Challa, Strange, Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Um, the Guardians, if that movie ever happens, it it's on shelled. hold. Yeah. But I think they're probably coming back yeah. in the movie. Well, Gamora, 100% is coming back. Yeah. Because that's... That's got to be part of the story here. <laughs> so she's coming back. I I am pretty sure. Well, we know Ant Man is because he was in the trailer. Right. So they well, already he wasn't. They already gave away in the trailer that he got out of the quantum realm. The quantum realm. So, which we all kind of 
new. And obviously there's a theory that the quantum realm is inside the soul stone. Yeah. So he, and if you watch the, the after credits clip of Ant-Man and the Wasp, he got stuck because everybody else, um, Wasp and his, uh, or her, her parents, parents, I should say, not his parents, um, were out there trying to manage his trip into the quantum realm and they got dusted. And I don't so, think they're going to give us a, a, a superhero like the Wasp and then just dust her forever. No. I So I think all of them will be back. <laughs> Obviously, Captain Marvel, we haven't even met her yet, but she's not going to die. No. So. They're <laughs> um, not going to one and done. No. <laughs> and I think Hawkeye, well, now he might be a different Oh, name. Ronin. Is it Ronin or is it something else? Ronin? No, I'm pretty sure that's what it so is. So there's two two Ronins in this universe. Oh, wait. Maybe it's not Ronin because... But it's it's Other Ronin is going to be in Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lee yep. Pace? Yeah. Blue Lee Pace? Yeah. He who rides a reindeer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is an inside joke that hopefully Lee Pace would understand. Um, but yes, Ronin the Conqueror. Is gonna be in Captain Marvel. Wait, is that Lee Pace or is he That's Apocalypse in no. X Men? I'm I'm pretty sure. I have to Google this now. Lee because Pace is blue in something. I'm sure he Ronan the Accuser. First of all, not the Conqueror. Yes, yes, that's Lee Pace. Okay, but he will be in Captain Marvel before he went all in the Kylo 90s. Ren or whatever happened yeah. to him. I feel like so back to our three of who's who's not dying or whatever. I I think Nick Fury will survive. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Um, well, he's dusted currently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Vision is dead dead. Yeah. Well, because what else, what is Vision's storyline otherwise? I don't know. It's just, um, it's just tied to Scarlet Witch now. Black Widow, I think, is fine. I don't yeah. think she's I think die. everyone in Wakanda is fine. Yep. I'm pretty sure everybody in Wakanda is fine. Yeah. Is there anybody else we're missing there? Scarlet Witch... <laughs> I don't know. I think she'll be fine um, because she's supposed to have a show on the Disney streaming service. Oh. But also so is Loki, and I still feel like Loki is not going to come back. No. I feel like when it rewinds time or whatever, it's going to go to Gamora as And not oldest. Loki. Yeah, yeah, and Loki and beautiful Idris Elba yeah. are dead. Because we, we're in agreement here that, that that's likely what's happening, is time is getting rewound. And that's how this is going to solve. Something like that. Right. That's that's what's going to happen there. Valkyrie's out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson has not said she was in the movie, but she did say Valkyrie is not oh, dead. Oh, uh, Gamora's sister. Nebula. Nebula. She's probably dead. <laughs> she's yeah, probably I mean, she's alive movie. right now, but well, she also has a redemption arc. I have to wonder if her redemption arc is going to be, not, not like replacing Gamora, but she's but going to of. die instead of Gamora. And yeah. that's going to be her, like... Thanos obviously isn't going to hang around. Thanos is going to be dead <laughs> somehow, <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't know how. So it will be, it's still kind of like Game of Thrones. It still feels like they have so much to wrap up. Yeah. So. And two and a half we'll hours see. to do it. So we already talked about your number one, which is Game of Thrones. All so, right. What's your number one? Well, my number oh, wait, one is number Kingdom Hearts. So my number two is the other big Marvel movie, Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's coming out. So. I'm excited about that for Avengers reasons. I'm excited about that because she's the Wonder Woman of Marvel, so it's cool to have more of that happening. And because we don't know a lot about Captain Marvel. No. We know If you don't read the comics. Yeah, Yeah. and I guess we should say we don't know a lot about this movie adaptation. 
No. We know some, obviously. We we kind of have an idea of what the storyline is, and we've seen some stills that they've released, but they haven't given away a ton. So, I'm interested, and I'm, I'm sure they haven't given away a ton because her storyline majorly, majorly affects Endgame. Yeah. So, what I'm hoping is that there's a lot of stuff that will make sense in Endgame that will be happening in Captain Marvel, and that's why they haven't given us a lot. And I hope she isn't just going to be some ghost in the machine, like, oh, she's been hibernating just waiting for this, or, you know, whatever. No, she's on a different planet somewhere. Yeah, so I hope there's a lot in her movie that will actually set up Endgame rather yeah. than just, you know. I think it will. Excited for that. Yes. Woo! <laughs> Woo! So, we managed to still do our numbers all out of order because we picked similar things. But, that is what we're looking forward to in 2019. We'll have to do separate podcasts, probably specifically <laughs> on movies and, and all of that. But, this will be officially our last episode of 2018 and our first season. Season 2 will start in 2019 with our New Year's resolution being actually uploading every two yeah. weeks. So <laughs> we started it, this podcast in kind of a rough time of year for consistency. But, you know, we started this back in August officially. Yes. And we've had over 250 listeners at this point. Yeah. Which is which exciting. Is nice. We, as we mentioned in our last podcast, we have our, our number one fan, Rowan. So hi again, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Thanks Sorry, for listening. I a lot. Yeah. I forgot again. <laughs> But yeah, there's lots of fun stuff to come. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you all in 2019. Bye, nerds. Our intro and outro music is courtesy of Sneaky Creepy on Yummy Sounds. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerd Ascended. You can also email us at nerdascendedpodcast at gmail.com. And ratings are always appreciated.